Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Michael Staten. He's the CEO of CoLearn. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Uh, it sounds like a great show, Building the Future for for the Canadian audience, yeah? <laughs> yeah, like, and it airs in, in America as well, so you'll get like kind of a North American oh, okay. <laughs> uh, presence. But I'm I'm super excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at CoLearn and, and Pandemic Pods makes a ton of sense right now. But maybe before we get into all that stuff, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. I, I grew up in Houston, Texas. Okay. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to go to, you know, a kind of fancy liberal arts college in Massachusetts, uh, Clark University, uh, spent a little bit of time in Boston afterwards, master's degree, moved back to Houston, so, sorry, was uh, sorry, an educator. Go ahead. Uh, what did yeah, you take yeah. at Clark University and why? Yeah, so I I was kind of one of those teenagers that read The Economist and Foreign Affairs and you know, the Financial Times and things like that. Um, and I actually was looking to major in something that is called international development, okay. uh, which just essentially prepares you to work for the World Bank or the UN um, or the International Finance Corporation or, you, you know, uh, uh, different nonprofit organizations that are doing development work in emerging markets, frontier markets. Um, and you know, the, the issue that I was really interested in as a teen was like, how can you help people out of poverty? Um, sure. How can you create, how can cre you create more economic opportunity for more and more people? Um, you know, catalyze a more shared prosperity around the world. A lot of idealistic stuff that teenagers might think. Um, and uh, international development was not a commonly offered major. And Clark University was one of the only universities that, that offered it. Interesting. Okay, so you moved back to Houston. Walk us through your journey up until uh, CoLearn. Yeah, so um, studying poverty around the world, um, it, you know, my kind of initial impulse was, uh, you know, let's go move there and do economic development projects. And uh, as I essentially studied myself into not believing that that was a good way to catalyze shared prosperity. And I, um, I, I narrowed into the topics of education and entrepreneurship towards the end of my studies. Okay. And I was kind of like, those are the two kind of fundamental building blocks of, of creating economic growth and shared prosperity is to essentially enable entrepreneurs to start companies that generate jobs and create an educated society where individuals can 
have have the cognitive uh, skills okay. to participate in that economy and that job growth, right? So sure. as I started thinking about that, I was like, oh, well, I kind of, I basically studied so that I could go work for the World Bank and I don't really believe in that anymore. I want to get into entrepreneurship and education. And, you know, you can't get a job as an entrepreneur, <laughs> but you can get a job as an educator, sure. right? So, you know, I tried to apply to be an entrepreneur, but that's not how it works. Um, couldn't find any openings uh, and uh, started as an educator. I was in the classroom for three years in Houston, Texas, public school teacher, union paying, you know, put it, put in my money into the, the Texas teacher's pension. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was very challenging. Um, and I was, became kind of very aware a lot of the systemic challenges in education, not just from the school perspective, but also from a kid's perspectives, from families' perspectives, neighborhoods, communities. And uh, essentially I had a lot of ideas I wanted to put to work that were not focused on my own classroom. And I started uh, teaching myself to code and building technology tools and created an after-school program and a summer camp as kind of like a mini entrepreneur. Uh, and then eventually got hired by a startup in Palo Alto to move to Silicon Valley and you know, participate in, in the kind of innovation hub that is uh, the, the mythical Silicon Valley. Um, and so I did that, I moved out in 2007 um, I've been a part of five different ed tech startups, uh, three as a kind of founder or co-founder. Um, and I've been, I spent eight years as a partner at Learn Capital, uh, which we like to say is the first biggest and best uh, education venture capital firm that invests in education innovators worldwide, have over 130 portfolio companies across the world, serving over at least a half a billion learners. Um, marquee companies like Coursera, Udemy, Edmodo, ClassDojo, OutSchool, uh, and the list kind of goes on. So that's what I've been up to. Um, and I'm one of the, uh, you know, the many, many people in venture capital that started as a public school teacher and got into VC without ever, ever taking a single business class. <laughs> Interesting. So how do you think that's kind of helped you and, and maybe like give us the pros and cons of that? Yeah. So, uh, uh, you mean in terms of being an inventor with a background as a teacher? Yes. Uh, not a business so, background, I guess is probably easier way to put it. Yeah, actually, um, it, the, the venture capital environment, uh, has gotten much more dynamic and in a sense has gotten more competitive from the, the perspective of the venture firm, right? right. There are, way more venture capital firms than there were 15 years ago. Sure. Um, there's way more capital in venture capital than there was 15 years ago. And there are a lot more startups to invest in than there were 15 years ago. And, um, and so there's this concept in venture capital called winning the deal, which I think sounds a little, uh, you know, cliche, sure. if not kind of douchey, but um, <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, essentially, essentially, it's like, will the founders and the management team and the investors in the kit give you the honor of allowing you to invest money in that company? Do they want you to be structurally involved in their company 
for probably the next five to 15 years. Sure. Um, and education entrepreneurs are very missionary. They're very attached to their vision. They really want to solve the problem. They really try to empathize with uh, the, the audience, users, learners, teachers, students. Um, and uh, they don't want to work with just anybody. Um, they want to work with people that really understand their vision, that really understand the problem, uh, that can empathize with whoever the customer or user might be. And I found that actually, frankly, having not gone to business school and not coming from a finance background, but instead coming from an educator background and from a founder background, that uh, early stage entrepreneurs, management teams uh, are excited to work with Learn Capital and to work with me because of that kind of background. There's a, there's a trust issue. There's a catchphrase that business moves at the speed of trust. Right. And I think that um, at least from an educator, education entrepreneur perspective, uh, my background actually helps accelerate trust. Yeah, it makes sense. And I I think the fact that you've also been through startups before and then obviously playing in the education space as a teacher, like you have a bunch of things that in a lot of cases, I, I think outweighs like if you just went to business school, for example. Sure. Yeah. And then also, um, you know, uh, what you call it? raising capital, uh, you usually don't raise capital from one investor. You right. ra- raise capital from the syndicate, uh, which is a number of investors coming together. Um, and so having kind of financially minded uh, investors is cool. And there are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want an investor to, to re- review your pro forma and your financial model and your unit economics, you know, your sales funnel, there are lots of investors that can do that. Um, if you want an investor that really understands how teachers think, if you want an investor that really understands, uh, you know, the dynamics of adult learners that have not completed a bachelor's degree, right? right? Those don't necessarily come a dime a dozen. So we're often, as at Learn Capital, we're invited into syndicates of really great investors because they want somebody like that um, involved to right. add that perspective to their other investors who might be a little bit more numbers focused. No, makes total sense. So how did you come up mm-hmm. with the idea of CoLearn and what exactly is it? Yeah, so um, there are a number of different kind of archetypes of entrepreneurs, and and one of those I call uh, a Jeffersonian entrepreneur. I guess that's a little America, America centric or United States centric, but um, you know, essentially Jefferson always had this mentality of, you know, I'd rather be farming and building my house, uh, but I guess I'm probably the best person for the job uh, to be, you know, president of the United States. So, you know, I guess I'll reluctantly do that, but after two <laughs> terms, peace out, right? right. So um, anyway, um, I actually was approached by parents for five years at different events uh, where the events were all education entrepreneurs, tech talent, venture capital firms, law firms that serve uh, startups. You know, it was like startup ecosystem events and there 
were very consistently over a period of five years, there were stray people at those events who were parents that were just very actively engaged in their kids' educational opportunities. Um, some of them, quote, homeschooling their kids, but they didn't even like the, the brand homeschooling. They felt like we're not at home. We're not, we're not doing anything that looks like school. We're basically trying to do beyond school. We want something better uh, than school. And, um, and they started calling themselves or wanted to call themselves co-learners. They felt like there was a movement that was about to happen, similar to the co-working movement where, uh, you know, people are going to start co-learning. It's going to be a thing. And I kind of heard this enough over the years that I was like, you know what? Yeah, that needs to happen. Right. Like, Interesting. <laughs> um, and then, and then in addition, I, uh, one of the side effects of, of, you know, having a number of friends from college that have gone on to have kids um, and, and having friends that have kids is I kind of become their, uh, their de facto education consultant. Right. right? Yeah. And so they'll, they, they would ask me questions like, Hey, you know, my kid's really struggling in math. She's eight. Like, what do I do? What are the resources? And what I realized was ed, the, the, the ed tech investors and ed tech entrepreneurs uh, have been really, really good at creating services that assume that there's a school and assume the steward of the child, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the steward of the child's education is a teacher and that the, the child is learning within a framework of, you know, government kind of accountability regulations and standardized tests and, and basically all of these different systems mechanics in and around uh, public education, and very little has been built that is family-centered, that really helps a family kind of uh, identify, curate, create little lesson plans, um, kind of manage uh, offline, online, digital workbook resources it, to make sure that their kid has access to the best opportunities that are out there for them. And you know, 15 years ago, when you were thinking about opportunities in education, it was literally what school are you going to go to, right? That was it. What school are you zoned to? Where do you have to move into the city, in the city to get access to the best school? You know, I have, I'm a parent means I can pay for private school. What schools do I want my kid to attend? What college do I want my child to attend? What, what, what college do I want to attend as a, as a, as a young adult? And that was it. And, and now with the explosion of all these different online curriculums and learning experiences and facilitated practice, and uh, you can do all kinds of things online now. And so now the opportunities that are available uh, to young learners or even adult learners are not limited to just what school. There's, there's what school and what are you doing and school, right? right. <laughs> Outside of school. Uh, what kind of learning experiences are you tapping into online, offline, in your community, with your friends? And so there's a whole new world out there. And no, no one's really made sense of that for parents. Nobody's really designed something that's family-centered um, and community-centered and helps families network with other families and pursue interesting learning opportunities together as like a co-learning community. And, and that was just nagging at me for years. And uh, as we got to the tail end of investing 
um, our last two funds, I just kind of, I, I need to do this needs to exist. And I'm probably one of the few people that can, you know, raise capital, raise a team, manage product, do early marketing, do all, do all the early founder skill sets to go off after what I think is probably the biggest missing opportunity in education right now. Interesting. And you guys were doing this all like before COVID. So like, obviously you mentioned yeah, you had the idea, yeah. but like this was before COVID as well. Just, I just want to make that clarification. Yeah. I actually, I conceptualized co-learn almost four years ago. Right. And the time wasn't right to get started because I still had a lot of obligations as an investment professional. And, um, essentially as of last September, I, I, shifted my role at Learn Capital to one that's um, basically advisory. It's called a venture partner. Okay. Um, and uh, I had a child and I did a little paternity because I thought the opportunity wasn't going to just like, you know, explode overnight. I was still one of the only people thinking about it going into January. Right. And I got started in January. And then in March, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, and now actually it's funny. It's, it's, it's kind of like, saying that you want to serve parents and in small groups of learners and families that like has gone from being, I was one of the only voices saying that to everybody shifting in this direction very rapidly. No, totally. So I guess like one of your sister companies or another service that you guys have offered is this pandemicpods.org. How does that play into co-learn and what exactly is pandemic pods i think it's pretty self-explanatory but do you want to give us a quick overview on that yeah sure um so as school closures for the fall were announced uh parents kind of in mass started freaking out and realized that they were going to be responsible for uh a lot of what school is responsible for Yep. Uh, this coming fall due to what some people in education call emergency remote learning. Okay. And, um, and they realized they wanted to share that set of responsibility uh, with a group of other parents where kind of everybody could be COVID tested, you know, other families in the neighborhood, and they could kind of share the responsibility of, uh, of watching the kids and making sure the kids aren't you know, beating each other up and that they're like fed and that they're paying attention to their schoolwork instead of playing Minecraft all day. Um, and, and parents themselves like started calling this pandemic pods. Um, and a lot of Facebook groups sprouted up. Um, there were news stories everywhere, like families are rushing to create pandemic pods. And a lot of the news coverage and a lot of what parents are saying is we're desperate. You know, you can find hundreds of articles that are like desperate parents seeking to form pandemic pods. And again, EdTech had not facilitated this, right? I mean, they were using Facebook groups to try to match. Um, and it was pretty clunky. And, and, you know, even parents that were able to kind of match and, and form their pod, were starting to say, now what? Like, what, what do I do now? Right. Um, and, and again, I was just in the situation where I, there is no silver bullet to how to run a pandemic pod. Right. There is no silver bullet to, um, to how to support your, your child or a group of children in, in remote learning as they try to participate in school. Um, but there are lots of little puzzle pieces, right? There are lots of interesting services that 
um, parents in general are not aware of because they never had to go look for them. And there are a lot of best practices that have existed for a long time uh, that parents are not aware of because they never had to be. Right. And um, and basically because because of my role at Learn Capital, I, I know a lot of these um, different organizations. I know a lot of their executives. And we were starting to talk about how, you know, this narrative around how par- desperate parents people, uh, desperate parents are, how there are no solutions, how kids are going to be left behind. Uh, this is going to be the lost year of education, right? That was like the narrative. It kind of still is, to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there was a, a yet another like high profile uh, New York Times story about, you know, kids are this is the lost year for for kids in education and. You know, we were we were just commenting to ourselves that we number one, parents that are having trouble matching into pods should have a better tool to try to match, right? Right. To state state their preferences. You know, if they want to be outdoors more, if they want to follow a Montessori method, um, if they want to stick to the school curriculum, if they want to do cool project based learning, if they're okay with their kids playing video games for half the day, like they should be able to state those kinds of preferences and see families in their area and have the ability to connect to them and be matched to them. So that was the first thing that we were saying. Um, and then the second thing we were saying is even if they do form a pod and we, we think somewhere around 30 to 40% of American families in the U S I don't know about Canada, but will be engaging in the, these pod like concepts this fall and possibly in the spring, depending on how school closures, you know, go, go on and off as the, as the pandemic spread uh, suggests or dictates, I guess. Um, even, even if so, we need to create an information resource site, right? We need to have a place where we can help parents understand best practices. We can help them understand the services available to them. And so pandemicpods.org, uh, you could think of it as a nonprofit. There's actually no legal entity. There's no revenue model. It's literally a group of, I think, uh, 15 organizations now that have just kind of committed to trying to make uh, these learning pods work for families this way. And so we're scrambling to kind of create content. Uh, we've created a few online courses and including how to set up a pod, how to hire and manage a, a tutor or a teacher if you wanna hire a tutor or a teacher, um, how to do project-based learning, um, how to apply different reading strategies for young kids. Um, We've also got discount codes or free offerings from, from some of these 15 uh, organizations. And every week I'm talking to new organizations that uh, have an interesting offering that parents should be aware of. I mean, a new, uh, just, just to give you an example, two kind of surprising examples of organizations that have a good offering that parents should be aware of. Uh, one is called Nurture Life. These are, are not meal kits. These are pre-prepared, organic, healthy, affordable meals okay. that you can have mailed to you on a Sunday or a Monday. Um, and uh, it'll help you feed your kids uh, more consistently healthy meals that they would like um, throughout the week so that, you know, if they're not going to school, they can't do school lunches, et cetera. Um, and so parents are finding themselves in this burden where they have to kind of come up with something know tasty and healthy for their kids to eat three times a day and that's uh, at least once more than they had to do before um and so nurture life is an example of something that you know it's not education but families should be aware that these kinds of things exist yeah. and and so they've offered a 25 
20% discount for pods that sign up. And so basically they're, uh, <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not, they're not making any money for pods that are signing up. They, they want families to have this kind of service as, uh, as pandemic pods are, are, as parents are struggling with pandemic pods this fall. Um, another example is a company called Braid, um, which does free group bank accounts. Oh, interesting. And so like, so, you know, let's imagine you have um, five other families in your pandemic pod. Um, you're all in the same neighborhood and you need to buy supplies. You need to buy food. Um, you know, uh, you want to buy supplemental books. Um, you want to pay a tutor to come by and help them in math, right? How do families budget together? Well, the answer is probably right now there's some Excel spreadsheet and some superhero, probably mom, let's face it, yeah. is like, managing the budget and sending stuff to people being like, Hey, you know, you owe $35 this week or whatever. Um, and so, so braid, um, created a template for, for pods and that now if you download braid, uh, you can see there's a learning pod template, you invite the other parents and then all the parents can chip in and then you can kind of manage your budget that way. So it's a much more seamless way to handle group finances. Um, so, and those are two examples. A lot of the other, um, uh, services are educational, but you might not have thought of them if you weren't in a situation doing emergency remote learning. So there's a there's an offering called Child Pose Wellness, which is live and pre-recorded, you know, yoga and different kind of, of fitness and, and mindfulness courses targeted at young kids. Um, and so, you know, if you've got your kids sitting in front of a computer all day doing schoolwork, like when's physical education? Like how do you get them moving? How do you get them uh, working their bodies to make sure that their bodies are, you know, feeding their minds correctly. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if the kids were going to school and participating in sports or they had a physical education class, you didn't have to think about it. Now you're like, how do I get my kid off the computer and moving, right? So child's pose wellness is another example. Um, uh, a rainbow culinary academy, a rainbow chef's academy, sorry is another one. It's a uh, courses for kids to help them learn how to cook. You know, we talked earlier about nurture life and how parents are a little stressed about having to deal with a couple more meals per week than they had to. Uh, how do you get, you know, let's say a nine-year-old kid out around the kitchen, um, making the kinds of snacks for themselves that you wish they were eating instead of just going to a, a Cheetos bag. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, that, so that's another offering. Right. And so, um, you know, pandemicpods.org is, is still early, it's still amorphous, but, you know, we've had a critical mass of families sign up in at least five different uh, uh, cities or urban areas uh, in the U.S., and they've been matching. Um, we, we've got some courses up. Um, we're doing uh, what we call working groups, which are live kind of communities of practice over Zoom where parents can talk to each other and try to get better at certain things, like helping their child in math, helping their child learn to read, helping their teen do uh, real world projects, et cetera. And so we have these working groups going as well. Very cool. So the one theme that you've mentioned uh, quite a bit throughout the show that I think, and you mentioned it before we started recording, is the ed tech space has very much not really been focused on parents. Sure, there was companies doing it, but I, I think the resources you just mentioned obviously help the children, but it's the parents that bring those things to the kids. 
So how do you think EdTech is evolving and changing to be kind of all-inclusive to help like students, teachers, and parents? Yes. So a lot of a lot of the technology that's been developed assumes a school infrastructure, assumes the teachers, the kind of main steward here, assumes there's um, all of the systems level um, support, infrastructure, regulation, compliance that comes from a school. And um, if there were parent accounts, it was really like kind of like log in and see their grades kind of a thing, right? Okay. And like with with the advent of like Remind and Edmodo and, and certain other services or Class Dojo, it's kind of like log in and see their assignments or see how they're behaving. But there there have not to date really been a lot of um, offerings that really assume the parent is the one evaluating this, this service or offering um, and whether or not they want that for their child or, or their, the learning pod um, gives parents a, a sense of con control or agency in like how it's delivered or what is delivered. Um, and what kind of resources and what kind of curriculum their, their child's going through. And, and I had a lot of parents come up to me over the past five, six years and talk to me about that and say, I want something for my family. I want something, what, what, can, what is out there that can help me with my responsibility and my goals and my ambitions for my kids? And the answer was not really that much. <laughs> not really anything. You know, you can use a paper planner, you can use a whiteboard. Um, so we've been we've been building CoLearn, uh, and right now, what CoLearn is, if you signed up for it, um, is a, essentially a better bookmarking tool where you can kind of save all the resources, digital um, and, and workbook and text resources that your kids are interfacing with, um, and you create a one launch page per child. It's particularly useful for for families with four more kids. Um, and each child kind of has their own landing page where they can see very visually what all the different services they have access to are. And they have login hints and instructions from their parents as to like what they should be doing on that site. And so parents already said to us, this is really helping us out because instead of my seven year old coming to me and saying, you know, mommy, stop what you're doing, come log me into something <laughs> or come put it in to the URL and in, in the browser, Right. Uh, they just kind of click on it and go in. And so they said there's less interruption in terms of their workflow because a lot of parents are trying to work from home. Okay. Um, and a lot of parents, especially essential work, essential economy workers, you know, they're going to work and their kid can't say, Hey, mommy, come help me get on something. Right. right. Um, yep. And so even what we have just now, which is essentially a better bookmarking tool, um, parents are already finding it useful. Um, we are going to be rolling out in probably less than two weeks um, the ability to create kind of a, an agenda for this week so you can highlight what you want done this week kind of leave leave a helpful note write some weekly um, instructions kind of moving towards a task manager our inspiration is really thinking about um, some of the really easy to use project management tools that are in the work world right. um, particularly a service called trello have you ever yeah. used trello yeah i use it every day <laughs> right so, yeah, exactly. So, you know, Trello is this really easy to use visual way to, you know, organize your to-dos um, and it's collaborative. You can work on it with others. You can work on it with the team. Um, if you have employees, you can assign things to them. They can see it very visually. 
Um, you know, they can drag it into the done column, they can drag it to the next week column. Um, and, and we're like, why isn't there a family version of Trello? Right. Yeah, interesting. Um, and, and, and so, you know, kind of uh, uh, imagine if, if you could have Trello kind of meet the equivalent of like the iPad uh, interface where all the different apps and games your kids use are there, yeah. but you can also you know, organize them and say, Hey, this, these are the fun things I want you to do today to help you learn how to read, you know, make sure to spend 30 minutes here, do the best you can. We love you. Woo. Right. Um, so that's really what we're rolling out uh, this fall. Um, and then how it connects to pandemic pods is we were already building, um, being able to follow, be followed or otherwise connect with other families in your community connected to um, different groups you might be in, a school, an after-school program, et cetera, and, and showing a family directory and showing what resources those families access and which resources are, pop are popular and useful and helpful to kids that are around your kid's age, right? right. So, you know, again, you know, my, son, my son is nine. He's an advanced reader. Uh, who else? out there, you know, near me in their school community, in their sports programs or whatever is also an advanced reader. What do you do for them? Um, and so we we're trying to kind of build, let's call it a, a little like kind of like local community directory as well as show trending services. Um, and that's what we're going to be building over time. And we hope to have more of that out like, you know, this fall. So, um, uh, so hopefully that gives you a little bit of background and context on CoLearn, pandemicpods.org, how they kind of connect, how they kind of don't. Um, <laughs> basically, if you're a family listening and this is interesting to you, uh, you know, if you're trying to match with other families still, if you want to look for other families, pandemicpods.org is the place. If you have a pod set up and you're looking for best practices, if you're looking for discounts and offerings from interesting providers, pandemicpods.org is the place. Um, if you have a lot of digital tools for your, for your child, if there are a lot of learning games they play, if there's online curriculum that they go through um, and the number of URLs is kind of out of hand and your bookmarks uh, in, in Chrome or Safari or Firefox or Internet, oh, it's not Explorer anymore, is it? It's, it's Edge. edge. Yeah. In your Edge browser, you know, if your kid kids relationship with the browser isn't quite what you want it to be. And they keep on bucking you for help and logging in and navigating, um, sign up for CoLearn. Uh, you can create one page per child. It's a launch page. Um, you set up your child's launch page and, um, there's actually, we generate a secret URL. Um, okay. and you can, you, and I hate to say it, you can bookmark it in, in Chrome uh, or have it be the default thing that comes up. And all you have to do is say, Hey, go to CoLearn go to your launch page, go do some interesting, fun learning activities. Um, I got to make dinner, right? Sure. I, I think a lot of people do that, uh, like whether they're sending their kids to school or not, right? Is like lots of times, like even just with me and my family, like we try to get our kids to do something educational while they're like, we're cooking dinner, right? Or like sometimes it's like, exactly. watch this YouTube video of like numbers or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but right, yeah, right. Well, but, 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 but let's actually let's actually talk about that behavior, right? Because okay. a lot of a lot of parents use particularly tablets, right? Yep. 
Yep. Um, particularly tablets as kind of the phenomenon in, in EdTech is called the digital babysitter. It's like, yeah. hey, I got to cook dinner. Here's the here's the iPad, yeah. you know, here, here's the Chromebook. Yeah, go watch. Knock Disney yourself Plus. out. Yeah. Don't bother me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So. So and I know that YouTube kids and, 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 and different offerings that are like, you know, safe screen time. But still, you know, kids can kind of accidentally find their way into stuff you'd rather them not be engaging with. Sure. You know, if you're handing them your iPad and it's your iPad, you've got business apps, you've got all this other stuff on there, and you really want them to focus on like a handful of things that are set up for them. Yeah. Right. And um, in addition, you know, the iPad really only accesses the, the services that are iPad apps. Right. And yeah. so if there's something on the browser, um, you know, again, they're going to open Safari. They're going to be like, how do I get there? And then, you know, so, so this kind of brings that like easy to use interface of like, um, of, of the iOS where you visually see the apps and it's really easy to point and click, um, uh, to everything. Right. And yeah. they can click and go into an iPad app. It'll open the iPad app. Um, but if they're also using their laptop or a laptop or, or a family computer, um, they can go to anything. Um, so, and it has, you know, again, logins, instructions, you're going to be able to plan your week. Um, and what we'd really like to do is offer something where parents can kind of at the beginning of the week, uh, very, you know, almost seamlessly clicky click like uh, Pinterest or Trello, they can kind of visually say, Oh, here's some fun stuff to do this week. And then, and then when it's time, you know, you got to go make dinner and you're like, Hey, knock yourself out for two hours. It's not just go play Minecraft. It's not just go watch YouTube. It's like, here, here are the digital resources that I've created accounts on, some of which maybe we pay 10 bucks a month for, and we'd really like you to access. And a lot of them are, you know, frankly, kind of fun. And, but kids don't like being told what to do that much. Yeah. They like to choose what to do. It, it, it's something kind of in our human nature. We prefer the perception of autonomy, even if it's just kind of a perception, right? Yep. So, to, so to say, to say, go to co-learn, you know, we've got different accounts and you can go learn to read on Homer. You can go um, practice your math on Prodigy game. You, you can go do some lessons on Khan Academy. Uh, you know, you can go uh, explore National Geographic for kids, um, whatever it might be, whatever, whatever you've kind of uh, chosen uh, to be kind of safe and productive screen time for your kid. You can set up and co-learn and you'll be able to manage it uh, and kind of know that your child is is engaging with that. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You're right, because they do like to pick even just like watching my own kids like it's like, OK, we're going to read a like a story that's like assigned from school and it's digital. And it's like, OK, well, you pick the story on this page. Right. It's like they just kids naturally like to do that. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's. That's really cool. And I think the thing to stress is you guys at CoLearn are providing tools that sure, if people are doing um, their own schooling outside of sending their kids physically to school, but you guys have a lot of tools for both. If pe parents are sending their kids to school or if they're keeping their kids for better, lack of a better, yeah, term yeah. For, like so, at home, right? So, Even if they're not all at yeah, home. Yeah. So we, we used to use the phrase on our website, the destination for curious, engaged families. Yeah. Um, we like to say that we're building a service that all curious, engaged families sure. would, would get value. Of. 
Um, that being said, uh, people don't really quite understand like what is the destination for curious engaged families quite sure, yet. Fair um, so, so um, and then, you know, we wanted to call it co-learn because even though right now we're talking about this kind of use case of, hey, I got to go make dinner, knock yourself out. Um, we also think that um, ultimately, if we were able to get uh, parents and kids using the same, quote, platform, yeah. we can actually help parents, just like pandemicpods.org is doing, we can help them see what other families nearby in their networks are doing, and we can create opportunities to learn together, to get together and learn to code, to get together and build a robot, to get together and do yoga. Um, and right now, you know, parents are using, I don't know, maybe Facebook events, maybe they're looking at Meetup, maybe they're posting on Nextdoor, but there's not really a good, good digital tools to help parents self-organize. So yeah. instead, the motivated, the motivated parents that are self-organizing are sending out lots of text messages, they're sending out lots of emails, and uh, it's clunky, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we eventually, our vision is to make it really easy for the world to co-learn, right? Yep. Um, online, offline, um, and to, to help families find and access resources that um, help them stay curious and engaged and support uh, their child and meet them where they're at and, and play on their interests and their motivations. You know, a lot of kids right now, they don't really want to pay attention to academics, but if it, but if it has something to do with Minecraft or Roblox, um, you know, or if it has something to do with their favorite Disney character, like they're in, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> totally. No, 100%, um, yep. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, anyway, like one of our families, um, that's using it now, we were showing them the community feature that we're gonna be unveiling. And they're like, well, you know, my 12 year old is pretty geeky and he really loves Dungeons and Dragons, but there aren't that many families near us that we know that do Dungeons and Dragons. Do you think that we'll be able to find other, you know, let's call it 10 to 14 year old boys on here that do Dungeons and Dragons? And I'm like, don't worry, we got it. You know? <laughs> like, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, so, I, I, anyway. I think that's really great, but we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close again with mentioning where people can get more information about CoLearn, Pandemic Pods, and anything else you want to mention? Sure. Yeah. So again, if, if you're a family that is struggling with remote learning and wants to form a pod or has formed a pod, pandemicpods.org is a, is a good site for you. Um, and, and it will become better as we continue to work with our partners to generate helpful content and resources. Um, and then, you know, if, if you're the kind of parent that has a number of digital tools and you would like your kid to have easy access to that, and especially if they struggle with bookmarks and logins, um, CoLearn as it is right now is, is a, great, uh, a great site for you. If you want to think a little bit longer term and kind of, uh, you know, big, uh, world-changing ambition. Um, think of co-learning not as a website. Think of co-learn not as a website. Think of co-learning as a movement. And uh, curious and motivated and engaged families that want the best for their kids are going to continue to be self to self-organize. Are going to continue to try to find the best resources in their community and online. Um, and help their kids thrive. And we're trying to facilitate that. And we're not the only ones. Um, it, in general, I think another message as somebody who's been in ed tech for almost 15 years now 
is the world is not limited to Khan Academy, right? Yeah. Like education online is not just Khan Academy and cool videos on YouTube. There are hundreds of surveys. It's almost overwhelming, which is part of the reason that we're making co-learn an interesting discovery tool as well. Um, Because filtering through it is is tough. But, you know, take a moment and think, what what are my kids interested in? What do I, what do I hope for them over the next year? And, and, you know, search online, ask other parents, and, and you'll probably find and hear of some stuff that maybe you hadn't thought of. Like, maybe it's child's pose wellness and getting your kid uh, interested in yoga. Maybe it's Rainbow Chef Academy and getting them cooking. Maybe it's DIY.org doing cool maker movement stuff. Maybe it's Juni learning and, you know, learning to code or, or scratch and doing computational thinking or um uh, there's just all kinds of fun stuff now. <laughs> and and uh, if, if, if we can get parents excited to explore these opportunities, I think that's time well spent for everybody. No, I 100% agree with you. But I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.